culture is sort of the, the byproduct of the relationships that you're developing. And so unless you're actually worried about improving your relationships with people and improving them as people, I don't think that you'll ever really get a deep culture. Hey there, it's Bev, and I'll be the host of today's episode of People at Work. People at Work is brought to you by Jarsal, the creators of the only intranet that helps simplify working life for everyone at work. My guest for today's show is Shana Pond. Shana is co-founder president of Action Potential Learning and president at Model Teaching. Today, we're going to chat about how investing in your people makes your culture stronger. And we spent a lot of time on people at work exploring this topic, and I'm excited to hear Shana's unique take on it. So welcome, Shana, and thanks for being on the show with me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's really wonderful to be chatting with you out of Texas, and I'm yeah. excited to hear your background. So would you like to kick us off with uh, just a, a, a quick look at your background, your experience, and uh, you know, what, what are you up to in your business today? Sure, sure. So, um, so I'm an educator um, uh, with experience primarily teaching in Title I schools. And I worked as a teacher and an administrator first before launching these education-focused companies um, with my husband. So he's actually my co-founder. And um, what we do is we provide school turnaround support, and that's through Action Potential Learning. And then we also do teacher coaching and training, and that's sort of this nationwide initiative that we do um, primarily in an online platform. Platform. So, um, so Action Potential Learning, it's, it's a Texas-based intervention company, so we're just focused on the Texas market. It's very much just a, a, a service-oriented, um, just focused school support model where we go into schools that are struggling, typically in improving student test scores, and we bring in our own individuals or we help train the teachers on the campuses to basically help turn around the test scores as quickly as possible, typically in like a, a, a school year or maybe in a couple of month period. And, um, and so our primary model for success in, in that work definitely has been the development of our, our, our coaching and training processes. So I'm, I'm excited to be talking a little bit more about all of this today as well. Um, and I think that, that that specifically is what we point to time and again to this, this investment in our employees is really what winds up translating into the school success that we work with. So usually what I do is when I tell people when we work with their schools is what we're really doing is we're providing the support and the infrastructure for, for our staff and for their staff as well. And that in turn is what leads to the support of their students. And then in addition to action potential, model teaching was sort of, it was sort of born out of it. So also co-founded with my husband. Um, and it's a, it's a teacher development training platform. And it's basically based on what we learned in the school turnaround work. Um, Cause like I mentioned, you basically need to see significant growth and improvement in a very short time period. And um, so we realized we were working with our employees and we were providing our own trainings and we were trying to find additional help for them to get them trained as quickly as possible. And there was sort of a gap in, the, in what was available for teachers and for people sort of newer to teaching where we needed something that was kind of a systematic type of training where it was a very step-by-step -step approach where it gave them a lot of tools to kind of implement really quickly to again, kind of help accelerate, accelerate their growth in their learning process. And um, because we couldn't find it, we just sort of started developing it on our own. So we, we built these training programs for our team. We, um, you know, implemented it. We definitely refined it over time and saw that uh, very quickly what we were doing was actually helping improve student scores. And we took that model and we built it out into an online platform as well for support 
support. So now that's something that we're sort of rolling out nationwide where any teacher can access and we're um, you know, partnering up with different education groups and universities as well, in addition to providing it to, to schools and districts and just individual teachers. So that's kind of a neat thing that, um, that kind of has, has come out of the action potential, potential support work that we've been doing. Um, yeah, and so, so I, I think, I guess to sort of close that, that piece out to kind of, um, I guess, just, just round it out, I, I think that we are, you know, we're a service-focused company, um, and we worked with so many public schools, private schools, charter schools, and it's really interesting because they're, they're complex organizations just like businesses are, right? Um, they look very much like service-oriented businesses. Um, instead of instead of your consumers or your clients um, just being you know people that you might sell a product to or something like that, your consumers here are your students, right? So so what we do often is when we're talking about whether or not we're being successful in the work that we're doing, instead of looking at say like profits or revenue, the first sort of measure that we look at is like student test scores or something like that. Um, that's sort of the end goal for us. So that helps us analyze whether or not we're successful, and so that support that we're providing to our, our team um, over time, it, it helped us develop this really nice model that showed that the, basically the more support that we provide, the higher the student scores were you know, improving. And so it just made me realize that that piece, that investment piece in your employees is truly the most critical component of actually having some kind of success in your service companies. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting journey you've been on and congratulations on the Thank progress you. you've made and the, the success that you've had. And what I'm hearing from you is that you really are invested in a people-based business and oh, you know, yes. not only um, for people, but by people and every aspect of your business revolves around how well your people are doing so that they can help other people do well. And yes. that brings us to, you know, our topic for the day was how investing in your people makes your culture stronger. And I'm sure in your line of work, you need to be very finely tuning the experience that your people have because they in turn will impact the experience that others will have by coming into contact with your business. So maybe let's jump into this idea that people are your product. And if mm -hmm. you could tell us a little bit about what that actually means to you within the context of the type of business you're running. Yeah, sure. So, um, so your your product is what makes your company have value and meaning, right? Um, so, in like this basic sense, you know, most people just say, "Well, it's just goods or, and services that are being sold," and the end goal is to generate revenue. But like I said, you know, us, our end goal is a little bit different. It's it's definitely to to improve student scores, right? And um, so, when you're a company, I think that provides a service um, rather than you know, products. So I'm, since, since I don't know anything about sort of the product side of things, I'm just strictly talking about it, this from a service organization kind of sense. Um, but when you're a company that provides a service, it's, it's the people within the organization that actually helps the business achieve their end goal. Um, they, they're the ones that take pride in their work. Um, they're the ones that actually produce the services for the company. They're the ones that invest their time into helping you build the company. Um, and, and that's what makes the company so great is the hard work that they're putting in. Um, they, the people that you hire are the ones that represent the values for your company, right? So if you're really good at hiring and you're really good at training, then hopefully your people are well represented in terms of what your values and your mission are for the company. Um, and they're the face of your company. And 
So they're the ones that are actually responsible for your companies as, as service companies, the end goal. Um, so I just truly believe that, you know, without your employees and, and especially in our kind of business, you, you don't have anything of value. They're the, they're the people, they're what provides value for your company. Yeah, and so, I think that, you know, that, mm -hmm. that sounds pretty obvious, but I think a lot of companies miss the mark on that, right? And you seem to be really sticking to what you believe in and putting it into action. So yes. maybe you could tell us a little bit about what is your company doing that, that is actually, you know, walking the talk around uh, people being your product. Yes. So that's, that's a good point. It's one of those things where it's like, of course we value our employees. Of course they're, you know, they're so great at, at helping, um, you know, grow the company and all these kind of things. But, but it is very difficult to actually do. I think that um, it takes a lot of purposeful planning to get there. Um, so, and so we actually have a whole process for, for this, for, for the way that we approach things. Um, the first piece to that is hiring. So we, we only look for individuals that share our goals for the organization. And again, that might be something that a lot of companies also say that they do. But something that I learned really early on, I think there's a lot of um, sort of discussion back and forth about when you're hiring somebody, like how much of it needs to be the skill and the expertise and how much of it needs to be like the passion and the drive and the personality and all of these other sort of um, more social character traits. And consistently for us, the, we're proven right in the method, in this method that you, you hire for passion, you hire for charisma and personality, you look in the interview process for similar values for people in our case who truly believe in, you know, public education, for example, and, and working with students and things like that. Um, and obviously you need some sort of baseline skill level, but if it's not coupled with passion and personality, it's just not the right choice for us. So that first piece is, is critical because we make very, very certain that we're hiring the right people. I'm 100% confident in every person that I hire. Um, and I think that that makes this whole um, process, you know, really important too, because we, we believe in every single person that we hire. So that also means, by the way, that if we're looking for a certain type of person to fill a certain role, I would much rather delay a service or not fill the role until I'm absolutely certain that the person that we're hiring makes sense and, and fits really, really tightly connected into to what we believe. Um, and we're certain that they do too. So, so that's sort of the, the biggest thing. Once you have that, I think a lot of the other pieces fall into place. So uh, the next piece for that is, is the, the training and the learning itself. So we believe in training for the person and not for the role. So we don't do a lot of like onboarding trainings or, you know, general big meetings where everybody comes together and, you know, hears a lot of nonsense about things that are going on that might or may or may not pertain to them. We don't do a lot of that. We, we very much consider the strengths and weaknesses of each person and we build training specific to them. It's sort of, it's very individualized. Um, I, I basically just don't want people to feel like anything that they're doing is a waste of time. I want them to feel like, everything that they're doing, every interaction with us, with training, with, with like this learning process, it actually comes with an actual learning moment that they can apply and that they feel is valuable. And, and in addition to that, us as leaders, what we're doing, what we're learning, we are constantly reaching out to our employees. So I make it a point, for example, to get recommendations from them on how programs should change or how ideas should change or um, where their expertise lies and I'm not really an expert in it. Um, 
having them teach me. And so this is, this is done on, on a you know, weekly basis as we're working together to try to plan certain programs. I, I like to hear what their expertise has told them or their experience has told them in the past or even their experience working with a group of people or students or whatever they're doing and teaching me what seems to make sense. Um, and I think that that's important that it's this reciprocal process here because I think that that is a big piece that leads into a, a deep trust within our team because we as leaders, we're acknowledging that there are areas that we need to improve upon and ask questions about and get better at. And we're seeking the advice of our employees. And then we, in turn, we, res, you know, we expect them to do the same, this back and forth. Yeah, that's um, a really interesting point you raised there. And I, I think that in some environments where you know, there isn't this commitment to being very human-centric or people-centric. Some of the rigor that is put into building culture misses the mark in that it doesn't actually call on the employees themselves to participate in the creation of the culture. And this very humble leadership that you seem to be um, cultivating within your organization seems to be really helping that two-way communication it seems to be a place where people can come and feel like they're participants and they're not just having information pushed down at them. And just wondering, like, what are you doing intentionally around helping build that kind of culture? Yeah, so, um, so and to, to that point, I always, I kind of laugh a lot of times when I hear people say like, we're improving our culture and we're to make that an initiative and it's like well, what does that actually look like like yeah culture is sort of the the byproduct of the relationships that you're developing and so unless you're actually worried about improving your relationships with people and improving them as people um i don't think that you'll ever really get a deep culture yeah so for for us that support would you like me to talk more about like how we specifically work through our support process yeah, if you can just give us maybe one practical example. I know our listeners would really like to hear those types of examples. Yeah, sure. So um, what we do when we focus on our training and our learning, um, it, when we first work with people, when we first onboard them, we're very clear with them. We say, this is, and we'll talk about this later too, that, but we have a very, very high standard. It's a very difficult job that we have. It's very, it's a lot of work. Um, it's hard and people sometimes struggle with it. And so at the very beginning, we will say like, this is what you're going to experience. This is what's gonna be difficult. What are you worried about right now? Is there anything that I'm telling you that, that makes you uncomfortable or makes you worried? And often in our case, since we are working with other people, it's often you know tutors or teachers working with students or it's content developers working with teachers or training them. A lot of times it has something to do with like, well, I'm really worried about this, the, the interaction or how I'm actually gonna put this into practice. So, so we'll say, okay, well, we're gonna sit down with you before anything even happens and we will um, model for you what it looks like or we'll provide a training to you. And we're with them the first several weeks, literally with them, like side by side with them, um, making sure that they don't fall through the cracks. Like that's not a sink or swim type of scenario that we're mm -hmm. like, we're kind of like the lifeguards, you know, swimming next to them as they're kind of jumping into this um, really difficult process. And so we um, purposefully sit next to them literally in the same room or literally nearby and every day we're working with them on one specific thing that they can do to make a tiny little change to improve and that kind of goes into the sport and growth piece that that we can talk about um but it's specific to the very beginning the 
sort of the fears and the concerns that, that people are having, because they all sort of have that. And I think the fact that we say, this is what we've experienced that's been very difficult, or this is what somebody else has experienced, or, oh, this is somebody that's worked with us last year, and this is what they saw that was a challenge for them and how they overcome it. Um, they're a lot more likely in the very beginning to say, okay, yeah, I can see that's per perhaps something that's going to be concerning to me as well. Um, so because we sort of share the, the challenges up front that we had issues with them, that may, they may as well, um, a lot of times they're a little bit more open and honest about where they need help. And then we, we give it to them immediately, um, which I think is also something that a lot of people don't do. They, they don't actually invest the time to say, all we're doing is focusing on you right now. We don't care about anything else, any of the policies and procedures. We just wanna make sure that you feel good and that you feel supported and that this makes sense to you and that we're not going to you know, roll our eyes if you've got questions and we're gonna, until you feel good about this process, we're gonna teach you how to do it. Um, and, and I think starting off sort of that relationship with people kind of opens the door for a lot more trust and, and being receptive later to a lot of the other support that we provide to them. Does that kind yeah. of make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I was just going to say that you must have a very high degree of trust in your environment. And the degree that you're focusing on individuals and helping them feel supported, there's necessarily some vulnerability there around people who need a bit of extra support or identifying where their gaps in learning are and them volunteering that they need extra help, I'm sure, is supported by a trusting environment and having people around them who are shepherding them into the next step of what they need to do to succeed in your business. So yes. it's that's really lovely to, to hear the... I, I, I used this word before, but the intentionality that you're bringing and the consideration that you're bringing to coaching and helping staff along right from the very beginning in a, in a fairly, what it sounds like, non-traditional way, because I think a lot of companies have their onboarding processes that are very formulaic, but yes. they don't necessarily meet the requirements and the, the, the needs that each individual new person has to get up yes. and running and doing what they need to do. Yes. Yeah, and, and we do have sort of a formulaic approach to these things um, in terms of sort of how we implement it. But what's critical is, is like you said, it needs to be specific to each person and it needs to be personalized. And one of the things that I always, you know, tell people when they kind of ask like, gosh, like, isn't that a lot of work to do that? Is that really necessary? You know, and all of these kind of things is, you know, we sort of, I think, see this in a different light and a different perspective because we work with students and we work with teachers. And, and you know, what teachers are told constantly, like in the classroom, for example, is you need to personalize instruction for your students. You need to figure out where your students are and you need to meet them at their level and you need to work with them there. You need to differentiate you know, your instruction. So it's like, well, that must follow then we as leaders should be doing the same thing for our teachers. If we expect our, our teachers to be doing that with students, of course, we should be providing that same type of, of learning and leadership and, you know, support to them as well, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that, that again, it seems obvious and logical, but I think it's, it's harder to put that into practice, right? So right. But it, it seems like you've, you have got a very solid framework, um, which you're starting to sort of take us through. And I know that we've, we're going to get through um, there's support and growth and honesty and consistency that you're still going to walk us through. But yeah. I, I think that it's really interesting as well that you are seeing the full circle of this too and really understanding that the end user has certain needs. And in order for your people to satisfy those needs, you have to pretty much do the same thing for those people. So 
exactly. that's a really interesting um, mechanism to observe, I think. And I'm interested to hear what the remainder of your, your sort of action framework looks like to sure. help, help people along. Yeah, so so let me talk to, I guess, let me let me kind of walk you through that then, like what are, because like I said, we do have a framework that we use that's, that is definitely standardized, but we just, you know, apply it specifically to, to each person. And we have a name for it, we call it strategic feedback. And um, this is the foundation of everything that we do is through this process. Um, basically, all that means is, is we set a specific strategic goal for every single person in our team and it looks different for every single person. Um, and what we do is we identify evidence that you would wanna see to show that they're getting better and improving. Um, we couple that with observations and feedback. We provide trainings, resources, and support, and it's all aligned to this one specific area of growth. So, so basically this is the way that it works. So we, we call them performance dimensions, and it's basically just a really fancy way of saying like, these are like the expectations that we have for you as a tutor or a teacher or a content writer or an instructor or whatever, you know, whatever your role is. And you've got all of these things that we say, this is what, what we know makes a good, we'll just use a teacher as example or a good tutor as an example. Um, and that might be something like, um, I don't know, if you're a tutor working with students on a school's campus, you might need to always check to make sure the students understand the concepts. Like that's kind of an obvious thing, but that's something that's very important and you need to make sure that you're doing it well. So that'd be one dimension of many that we have for each type of um, job role. And what we do is, is we select one of those dimensions and we, we create it as a strategic goal. So we'll say, you know, if an, if an employee comes in and they say, I'm really worried about this particular aspect and right off the bat, that's what we start them off as their strategic goal. If they're not sure, they feel pretty good, we might do an observation and we'll, we'll, we'll watch their interactions with people or their work products or however we're measuring it. And then we'll choose a strategic goal for them. And so I like to kind of think of it as like your strategic goal is like, is like the tree, okay? And then from the strategic goal, you, we build out what we call action components. And action components are what you're objectively view, viewing in each person. And it's the evidence of how well they're implementing their strategic goal. So it's kind of like the roots that support the tree. So the components are what are giving life to those goals. So like in teaching, for example, if we're saying the strategic goal, again, is, you know, a teacher might need to find ways to check for how well um, a student understands material, then the action components would be like, um, what does that look like in action? So maybe they need to assess whether students are ready for the lesson. Maybe they need to like provide feedback. Maybe they need to develop activities and, and so on. So whatever those things are, we'll build out a whole bunch of action components and say, this is literally what you should be doing or seeing. This is what objectively we should be viewing. And that's what we use as the framework to start our support. So then we take that, and again, it's different for every single person. And then we do continuous observations and feedback. Again, either physically observing them, interacting with people, or um, through work products. And we describe in detail which action components they're doing well. And we'll, so we tell them why they're doing them well, how they can keep doing them well, like what we actually saw in action and how they're going to continue to do it. And then we describe in detail one, excuse me, one action component at a time that might like need a little bit of work. And we say specifically why it needs work, how it could have been done better in that moment, where they can go to get better. And this is a really important piece because I think that a lot of leaders miss this piece is that we take accountability for how they're actually going to get better. So we say, we're going to provide you with this training or we're going to provide you with this resource or we're going to help develop 
something for you. Um, or we're going to connect you with somebody else who's doing it really well, or we're going to model it for you or whatever it out, whatever it is, we give them the specific tool to say, if you do this, then we are holding ourselves accountable and saying, we're telling you, if you do this, you're going to be able to master this particular component and you're going to grow and get better. Um, and I think it's important because if they do it and they don't get better, then we can come back and say, well, it's not you. We were the ones that, that provided the suggestion and it didn't work. So what am I doing as a leader? Maybe that's, that's not great. And what else do I need to do to help push you on and help, you know, improve you? Um, so we continue this process over and over and over again throughout the entire year, no matter if you're with us for years and years and years, no matter if you're with us for a couple of months on a short contract, continuously, usually it's every week or every two weeks, we're doing this whole process and we're giving um, feedback on those action components, um, explaining when they're getting better and better. And this cycle continues on until they basically master all of the components in that strategic goal. And then we choose a new one and we continue the process again. Um, and it's like, so it's very standardized, right? But it still allows us to be um, really personalize in our approach for each person and, and what things we're focusing on. And it allows us to be, just be like really narrowly focused on really specific areas for improvement. I think it also helps enhance what people are already doing well, because often people don't, you know, once in a while you might hear somebody say, oh, you did a great job doing such and such or finishing this project. But like, what does that actually look like? A lot of times we don't really give this feedback to people to say specifically, this is what you did that was so great and it would be great to see the same thing in other facets of the organization or this is how it specifically helped our organization get better because it helps them also reflect what their strengths are and how they can continue to grow that as well in addition to actually improving themselves yeah that uh, skill as a leader to give specific feedback i think is something that is uh, underrated and something that is quite powerful that all leaders should have the capability to do that because I think it's a bit of a, a cop-out to just say oh you did a great job yes you know that really doesn't help the person at all because it doesn't help them understand what they can keep doing or areas that they could have done better so I love that you build that in and, and you refine and you iterate over and over again and it just seems that you have a lot of um really good communication skills on your team because i'm assuming that you need to have those open you know two-way channels again you know bringing the trust piece into that there's a mm -hmm. lot of trust involved but you also have this really interesting team accountability piece that it's not just this you know the employee that is left to their own devices there is this accountability from the leader's point of view as well to help people um, succeed yeah, absolutely. And we've got myself who manages our program and our project managers and the managers are the ones that are actually doing this feedback every day, but I'm doing the same strategic feedback process with my managers as well. Because like you said, things like communication too, that's a really critical piece and that's not necessarily something that's intuitive to people. And that's also something that needs to be trained well into them. And um, when a problem arises, sometimes it does take a little bit of work with managers or even with myself, frankly, to say, okay, it's not the, it's not the employee's fault. There's other pieces that we're not doing well to guide them properly. So what is that? So we can actually fix in the future. Um, and so I think that, that by me also doing that same 
process to our managers, um, it kind of helps spur that process along even better because they're learning so quickly how to communicate better. They're learning so quickly how to take accountability for the work that their people are doing as well. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely something I think that if you don't put it at the forefront of your work as your sole purpose for the work that you're doing in your organization, it sort of gets put on the back burner. And what I see often with other people that try to, to, to do this type of method, but it's not their main goal and focus in their organization is that's an afterthought, right? So it's something like, oh gosh, I have to, yeah, I said I was gonna do some observation and give some feedback. So let me try to schedule that in somewhere in addition to all of my other work, right? Yeah. Instead of sort of flipping that and saying, this takes priority, this is my main purpose. Everything else either needs to wait or we have to figure out how to schedule it after I do the most important piece of my day, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we all fall victim to the busyness of our workday, but you absolutely do need to make this a priority. And, and if you are going to be a truly people-centric business, then it necessarily needs to start with your people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't we talk a little bit about the honesty and consistency components of your action plan? Sure. So these kind of go hand in hand, I think, and it, it all kind of ties back into this sort of strategic feedback piece. And um, so what we do, we, we make a point in our organization to be be very direct and honest, but but to the point where we share everything. We share the progress in the business with our team. We share the why behind every decision. Because um, I, I just I remember often feeling frustrated at times in different work that I've done where I just didn't understand why decisions were being made and how it affected me. Um, and I almost felt disgruntled at times because I felt like this wasn't in the best interest of me. So why was this happening? So those kind of pieces are very important. So any big decision that's being made, any big policy that we have, we provide them with a rationale for why. Um, and I think that doing that just kind of, it, it lets them really deeply understand why we're doing what we're doing. And when there are challenges that arrive or there was, where there's frustrations or whatever the case may be, um, there's a rationale for it. And sometimes it's not the best and we get feedback on that and we improve it. Uh, but sometimes it makes sense. And so that's one piece. The other piece is, this is a personal point of growth for me that's taken me sort of a long time to get here. Um, but this is something I really instill and, and and work on with my management team as well, is that like, no matter how frustrated that I may be, no matter where I am, whether it's just talking with my husband as the co-founder on business things, or whether it's talking with different individuals in the organization or, or our clients or whoever, um, always using language and words that I can say in front of everyone. So I keep everything transparent. Um, and that includes like closed door conversations with my management team. They know that I'm never going to say anything negative about an employee because we're always going to be under the assumption that whatever we're saying, the employee can also be present for. Um, and I think that it takes a lot of practice to do that, especially when there are times when of course, like everyone gets this way, but there's just something that's very frustrating to you. You yeah. want to vent so badly, but if you practice constantly being transparent with everyone that you meet. Um, it, it builds so much trust because people say, we, we know that this person is an honest person and the management team sees that and they model that with their, with their team as well. Um, and by doing that and by combining that with our feedback where we're providing honest feedback of things that they need to grow on and things that they're doing great, um, it's, 
it, it shows people that we're, we're well-intentioned to help others. And it makes times when there are difficult conversations a little bit more palatable, right? Because they know that it's always coming from a good place and that there's no sort of negativity underlying it. Um, and that kind of leads into consistency too, because I think it's important to be consistent in temperament, um, consistent in how you interact with people, consistent in how you provide feedback. And that's part of the reason why we have this very structured approach to thing, to, 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 to our strategic feedback and other things is um, anyone, everyone likes consistency. And this is another lesson that I've learned working with, with students that applies to adults as well, is that people like to know what's going to happen next. They like to be able to walk into a situation and understand what the end result's going to be. They like knowing that when they're talking with someone, if it's going to be a consistently temperamental, you know, temperament person, or if there's going to be, you know, something else that's going on, people like that. People like knowing that the feedback that they're getting is always going to be consistently spoken to them and things like that. Um, and they like to just also know that this process that we're doing over and over again will always continue to happen. So there's no ill will. There's no negativity feeling like, why are they, you know, talking to me this way? Or why are they, you know, singling me out if I'm getting this additional support or whatever the case may be? Because everybody's getting it. Everybody has the exact same consistent focus. And, you know, coupling that with this honest piece that you were really striving to, to practice on a daily basis um, it just makes people believe that we have their, you know, the best of intentions because we do. Um, so that's kind of how, how, how I, I sort of frame it. And I think it's, again, something that everyone sort of knows, but if you're not intentionally practicing it, um, it's very difficult to get caught up in sort of the day-to-day the -day hectic life that that business can kind of create for you. Um, so I guess intentionality on my, my part to make sure that these things are, are implemented and done well is an important piece as well. Absolutely. And if we go back to our starting topic around people being the product and what that means to um, have that kind of mindset around um, building your culture and why a people-centric approach is important, let's just reflect on everything that you've told us about how you're putting this into practice. What does this actually do for your organization? Yeah. Where does so, this leave you as an organization? So when you make it your priority to invest in your indiv in an individual or in your employees, um, and when you're finding ways and you're showing them that you're finding ways to just let them do their job and make it their job easier and just figure out how to improve every aspect of what they're doing. Um, and you're doing this alongside individuals that all are sharing um, the same vision. That's what unifies your team around these shared goals um, because they know that this support that you're providing to them is allowing them to grow closer to the goals that we have set for the company. And I think that when you have employees that feel valued because they know they're valued, you're showing them that they're the most important components of the organization because they are. And I think that when you show people that and when they believe it and when they know that they're valued, those are the people that are going to do whatever it takes to, to work hard for you, to work hard for the company and to make sure that they are um, doing what needs to be done for the shared goals of the organization. And, and for something like what we do, that's incredibly important because I mean, we're dealing with people's lives here, working with with students and 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 teachers and and things like that, and and making sure that that kids are on a good a track to a better life, right? 
So I think that that piece that they know that what they're doing is valued and that we truly believe that this is important work that matters um, is what deeply builds our culture because they know that this is actually going to make a big impact on other people's lives and that we believe that they're the most important part to sort of get that done, right? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think that in your environment in particular, it's hard enough to do what you're setting out to do, but to do that with people who are dispersed or remotely connected to your business um, is even harder, right? So oh, yes. perhaps we can touch on just for a couple of minutes around how you're tackling you know, the reality that some of your employees are not physically located in the same building as one another or with the management team or the leadership team. Yes, yes. So we, um, those sort of our model right now is we have people that work remotely to develop all of our content and our curriculum and our, our online training platform. And all of our part-timers are obviously at a physical location on a campus, but they are separated by school. So many people that are working in a particular um, location, they don't even see the other tutors or the other instructors or other staff members at other locations because it's just sort of localized. Um, so coupling that with the fact that most of our people are basically on contract for a very short period of time in a year, we work with schools for six months or eight months or three months or, or whatever the case may be. So a lot of times these people are working in very short um, periods of time as well. So it definitely can be a challenge to get people really on board with just, not just the culture of our business and what our, our group and what we feel is valuable, but also with the schools that they're working with or the team or the teachers, because of course those are all um, a little bit different as well. So um, I think that one of the big challenges with really building a culture with these type of people is if you have inconsistent procedures, uh, if you don't have clear expectations for your standards, for what will work and what work, won't work, um, you're going to have a really hard time uh, rallying people around what you believe in. So um, that kind of goes back to this consistency piece where we spend a lot of time time refining processes that are very consistent um, and very standardized so that when we are inserting a new person um, into our team, it's the same process over and over and they, they learn very quickly what the expectations are because again, we were very clear uh, upfront about that. If we didn't hire the right people and they didn't have the right goals, we would never be able to insert them into these situations and allow them just to floor us immediately. So, when we're hiring people and we advocate for people who not only fit in with the work that we believe is important, but we also make sure that they fit in with the work that they're going to be doing. So because like school campuses are so different. Yeah. So I'm very, very purposeful about taking somebody and making sure do their actual goals align, even if it's slightly different than my goals, do their goals align to the school's goals that they're going to be supporting. Like, what is the most important piece? And if it's the students, then let's figure out a way to make sure that that their goals align with the students' goals or the, uh, the, the students' goals, excuse me. And by doing that and making sure that that's the, the first line of defense, and when we do this hiring, it makes sure that we don't have to fight them on what's important and what's valuable because they're already sort of aligned to it. Um, and I think that having honest conversations 
conversations when you're remote is sometimes very diff difficult, especially if you're not face-to-face -face with them often and you have to have a conversation like over the phone or you know through our project management system or something like that. Um, especially if you don't have a deep you know, method of developing a relationship. So um, we are very honest from the start and this kind of goes back, I guess, uh, this is sort of a circular thing here, but it goes back to, we tell them what, we're, what to expect from the work. We tell them how we're gonna have conversations with them. We tell them how we're gonna interact with them, everything that they need to expect. We tell them um, where they're gonna feel frustrated and why. And um, we're open with them about what is going to be difficult and what is going to be easier for them. And we make a point in the very beginning to show them how we're going to make their lives easier. So like one of the first things that I do, and it's so silly, but it just, it, it just demonstrates to people um, that they're part of a, a bigger team. Like the first thing that we do is when we onboard somebody, we say like, again, what's a resource that you need? I don't care what it is, just tell me what it is. And we have a budget specifically for this purpose and then we'll get it for them. Some people feel really comfortable with certain materials and we just say, we're just gonna buy it for you. Now we wanna make sure that you feel good and you feel better. And this is gonna, if this is gonna help you do your job better, um, then like, let's do it. And, um, and I guess that the last, sort of piece to this is how, like, how do you make sure that they're supported by the, each other when they're not in the same room and when they don't even talk to each other ever face-to-face? -face? So we purposely do two things that I think are, are somewhat unique. I think other people do this, but again, we're, we're very purposeful about this. We do share collaboration. And so we're specifically pairing people to collaborate on certain projects that may be even in a completely different like city or something like that. Um, and so we'll tell them why, we'll explain to somebody why, where their strengths lie and where another person's strengths lie. And then we'll have them collaborate on a certain project so that they're working re remotely, but they're working together on something that's shared um, for a short period of time. So this is not like somebody like sharing a project and working on it to completion. It might be something like, you know, one person is working on a specific type of training. And I think that they are really good at putting in like the bones of the training, but somebody else has a really specific expertise in, in one part of it. And I'll say, like, let's kick it over to this person and I'm going to get their input in it. And we do this back and forth so much that this is an expectation that people have. So nobody feels like, gosh, they're, they're giving my work to somebody else to look at because we do it on both ways. So that's one piece that's important because I think it shows that we're all in this together. We all have great ideas. Um, we're all kind of moving towards the same goal. And the other piece is how we're calculating connections with people. So what I'll also do is frequently I'll ask the permission of a tutor or one of our developers or someone else, if I can refer someone to observe them or consult with them. So when we're doing this feedback process and we're giving them that additional um, support and the resources to do their job well, often we'll say, there's somebody else that does this particular piece really, really well, and I want you to see it, and I want you to talk with them. So we ask permission for that person first, and then we connect them together. And often that's, again, like, you know, over email or on the phone or in person, even if they're in different locations. And um, we, again, do this to everybody, so it's sort of everybody gets to experience this because everybody has different, you know, strengths that they can share with others. And doing that consistently, I think, is a way that we can connect everybody, at least for a short period of time, to remind them that we're sort of all in this together and we're all working towards this, even when they're not physically working alongside each other. 
It certainly sounds like you've got a really good structure for keeping people plugged into your business and into each other. And I think what probably helps that is you seem to set clear expectations right from the very beginning so that yes. people are not having to figure it out for themselves. Uh, you've got a good model in place and you really are just letting people focus on what they need to do to do their job well and to feel that they are growing and learning and um, getting the feedback and support that they need. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So perhaps if we just reflect on everything that we've talked about, if there are uh, folks in the audience that are thinking about their own practice of leadership around helping their people develop and grow, mm. what are some real practical tips that you can provide that they should take away and think about? Yeah, um, I think the biggest one for me that's that's really important that has helped me a lot and helped my managers a lot is is um, to do the work yourself. So you cannot lead others if you don't see it from their perspective. You you just can't. You're never going to do it well. Um, so my managers still teach. They still teach alongside their tutors. They still sub what they need to. They still develop their own projects. Um, obviously, that's a very small part of what they do. Um, but they need to have empathy for the people that they work with. And when we're asking people to do something, we need to really, truly, deeply understand what that means for them and what expectations we're actually providing to them. And like, even my husband, who is, he, he is the, he's the co-founder, he's a PhD in science. He does marketing and business development. He has no connection sort of to the education side of things. He's definitely a business guy. Even he has worked on school campuses as a tutor because he needs to understand how we train and how we provide the services and he needs to be able to see that from their perspective. So we all take part on that. I do that as well. I go and I do my own coaching of tutors alongside the manager. Uh, I go in and I sub and I teach because um, it's important for you to keep that perspective that if you're actually requiring people to do a certain task or providing them information on how to get better, you better be able to do that yourself as well. And if you can't, then maybe you need a little bit more growth and support um, alongside your own people. Um, I think the other thing is to, to step back and whenever you're building out your goals for your employees, for your organization, if your goal is to just exist to make your employees' jobs easier, if you keep that sort of at the forefront of your mind, I think a lot of other things will fall into place. Um, so, you know, whatever that takes. If you see someone struggling um, and... I don't know, they're, they're struggling with like organization or something, like how, teach them how to organize something. If they're struggling with like a, you know, for us, if they're struggling with a lesson, like sometimes I'll say, if, if in this moment, if it's easier for me just to develop it for them, to help them in this moment, to make their lives easier, then that's gonna be my role and that, my job and my responsibility. So if you consistently are focusing on what is gonna make their job better, make their experience better, um, then I think that everything sort of falls into the place. And um, the last thing I think is connected to those two ideas is that um, when you're making decisions for the team, and I find myself having to do this often, especially when you're frustrated, before you make a decision, ask yourself, is it your ego or is it the actual end goal that's driving your decision? Um, often it's our ego and we make not the best decisions for our team when we make decisions with our ego. But if you're asking yourself, what is actually the best thing for, in our case, students or the end goal of our organization um, and letting that guide you, 
no matter how much you want to sort of listen to the ego side of things, if you fall back on what's best for our employees, what's best for the, the people that we work with, what's best for the end goal, if you make sure that you're not putting the blame on others, right, and removing that ego side of things, um, and if you make sure basically that your driving decision is just rooted in a good positive place that supports your end goal, um, I think that's how you're going to be on the right track to, to building a really strong culture, for sure. Thank you for those tips. I feel a real humility in the way that you conveyed that. And I, I really get the sense that you are the kind of leader who really puts into practice what you really believe. So thank you for, thank for you. being a, a shining example and, and helping uh, you know, us really continue to bring um, the humanness back into not only leadership, but into the relationships that we have between people at work. And um, in, in closing, I just wanted to comment on something that you said previously around this tree analogy that you have around the structure that you have for your strategic feedback process. And I just think that's such a lovely, strong symbol of if you nurture that tree and you spend time on it, then it grows into something that has got strong roots and that yes. really gives back in so many ways. And if you cluster all those trees together, you have this amazing forest, right? So yes, um, that's just a really it. beautiful analogy. So thank you for sharing that because that really helped me crystallize the idea that you were conveying. Thank you. Yeah, love it. So just as we close here, is there anything that you'd like to leave with us or a, perhaps a specific reflection or something that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Maybe a, a book or something that inspires you, um, anything that you'd like to close with? I think maybe just like, a, I guess a final thought um, is just, um, this sounds silly, but I, I say this to myself often uh, as I reflect in the evenings when I sort of reflect on my day. And it's just to just always do the right thing. So think to yourself, what is the right thing to do in this moment or for this person? And I think reflecting daily on what's best for, for your employees in that way um, and constantly focusing on just, just doing what's right. It's going to make them be better at their jobs. It's going to make you be more successful. It's going to make your organization flourish. I would absolutely agree with that. And if uh, our listeners would like to reach you, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? They can connect with me on LinkedIn or um, Twitter is at, at SL Pond is my handle. Fantastic. And we will share those um, links to your LinkedIn profile um, in the show notes as well. So folks will easily be able to find you. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the time that we've spent together. And I love hearing different takes on how to put people firmly at the center of organizations. And it, it really does seem like you've got a challenging environment that you have built something around that is actually working for your people and that is positively impacting the end users of your service. So thank you so much for being intentional and considerate. And um, like I said, just for the humility that you bring. Thanks, Bev. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. Wonderful. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care. Thank you.